Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. What's up, everybody? It is the Nightcap here on WGR. Joe DiBiase hanging out with you for the next hour here on WGR. Got some Bill stuff going on today. We've got some Sabres stuff, too. There's not a lot happening with the Sabres right now, but, I mean, when you've got rumors about Rasmus Ristolainen and another team being interested in him, Whew, that gets the that gets the juices flowing. So we'll talk some Sabres a little bit later in the program. Program. Can someone my age say program? I feel like it's not a common it's not a common noun to describe anything. TV shows, radio shows. I almost said program again. Like if you're saying I'm going to turn on my program. You've got to be north of 50 years old, right? And that's no offense to anybody that uses it. I'm just saying. I don't think anybody that's under 50 years old uses that that terminology. So it's weird that I just did it. But anyways. Ristolainen, that'll come a little bit later. The Devils. Could the Devils be interested in Rasmus Ristolainen? That's got me fired up a little bit. But the Bills are what is on the mind. They have started their mini camp that got going today down at One Bills Drive. First day for practice in Orchard Park. That does not include the OTAs. And it's the first day back for Bills defensive tackle Star Latulale, who I've been very critical of in the past on this team. And... You know, I've gotten a lot of heat for that, but it's always come down to, for me, Latulale is not the modern-day gap-eating, blocker-eating, or, you know, the guy that's eating up the linemen on the offensive line. He's not the 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 modern-day version of that to me that is worth $10 million a year. He, for several years before 
he opted out a couple years he was here, was the highest paid player on the Buffalo Bills. A defensive tackle that typically is pretty easy to find someone to play that role for pretty well. Now, that argument took a hit last year because it's very easy to just throw back in my face right now, well, what happened last year? What happened last year? Well, they went from, at least if you look at rush defense, they went from 10th in the league before that to 17th, but was it drastic going 10th from 17th to rushing yards allowed? And a lot of that is game script dependent too. The year before that, 16th. Stats are a little fluky to look at on that end, but you didn't have a dramatic difference between Latulale's rushing defense and last year's with Quinton Jefferson, Vernon Butler, who cost five times less. And to me, the to the typical modern-day version of Star Latule is a guy that can give you some impact when it comes to pass rushing. So, that all being said, you might think, well, I don't care that Latule is back. I don't care at all. But, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued because he showed up looking like a different... He had a different body type going on, not drastically different. He said today that he's only playing, he's only at right now about five pounds less than what he has been in the past. But we saw the workout videos. Even though he's similar in weight, he looks like he's built more muscle. So maybe a lot more of that body weight is muscle mass as as compared to what he was before. And those workout videos... That he had in Utah, they got me a little bit intrigued. I'm not saying this has to happen, but if Latulale can show up week one and give the Bills anything, anything at all when it comes to a disruptor on passing downs, because that is what matters. If other teams want to run the football on me, I don't care how well they do. They're going to lose nine times out of ten. I'm not beating Kansas City, which to me, everything that they do from now on is about the Chiefs. You are building yourself up to beat that team. And nothing the Bills do to improve their rush defense is going to help you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think. They're already good enough at it where there's not enough that I think they can do tangibly with their salary cap and with any moves they could make that would significantly increase their chances of beating Kansas City. You might increase your chances of beating Tennessee with Latulale playing at the highest level that he could play. You might be better against New England, who I think is probably going to be another run-heavy team this year, Miami. But if I'm losing to those teams, if I'm competitive with those teams... I've already fallen short of my goal anyway. So what's the point? But Latulale's got me intrigued because if he can give them anything as a disruptor up the middle, which he has not done in his Bills career at all. There's a play from Sam Darnold two years ago. Three years ago maybe now. 2018. It's Latulale's first season with the Bills. You might remember it. Darnold running all over the field. He's running right, he's running left, he's all in the backfield. And Jerry Hughes and Kyle Williams are chasing him like a madman. 
Kyle Williams gets blown up on a blindside block, and he gets back up, and he starts chasing Darnold again. And the whole time, five yards behind them, while they're chasing down Darnold, they're trying to chase down Darnold, I think it actually turns into a touchdown. That whole time, Latule is like lightly jogging back and forth. At least that's how it looks. But maybe that was his full speed as a pass rusher. That element of his game did not exist, and maybe it still doesn't exist. But I don't know. The feet looked quicker. The feet looked quicker. The arms looked quicker. And if he has added in a year off any type of pass rushing moves and can give the Bills any value on the important downs, the passing downs, then I'm excited about his return. I'm excited about his return. Given that he's going to be here regardless. For cap reasons, he's going to be here. But Latulale coming back and Milano coming back and Levi Wallace coming back. Everybody's coming back. Who did they leave? Who did who exited on the defensive side of the football? Josh Norman? Is that it? The Bills are bringing back the same defense that last year finished 14th in the NFL in total defense. 14th after finishing third the year before that and second the year before that. But I'm not sure the Bills have to return to being this dominant defense. Now, there's two different questions you could ask here. One question is, does a dominant defense, if they return to being the 2018 and 2019 Bills defenses, who were elite, arguably the best in the sport, statistically they were one of the best in the sport, if they return to that level of defensive football, I might be ready to crown them, not crown them, but Put them above Kansas City going into the year. If you told me all year, throughout 2021, the Bills are going to have the third best defense in football. I think they're better than the Chiefs. I do. I think that could put them over the top. But last year, they were 14th. The other question you could ask yourself about the Bills on the defensive side of the football is, is 14th good enough to win a Super Bowl? And to beat Kansas City. Because I think the answer to that question might also be yes. The third question you can ask is, would you sign on the dotted line for the 14th best defense in football for the Buffalo Bills? Because 14th, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. And last year, they proved it. Last year, and maybe this should show what the value of defense is overall, that last year, by the their league ranking, they took a big step back on defense, going from second and third to 14th. That's a massive jump from elite to middle of the pack. And what happened to the team? They went from middle of the pack to elite. To a Super Bowl contender. So you can make you can make an overall thought on this, on just what the overall value of defense is. 
But it does matter to some extent because if you were to combine the elite offense that drove the Bills last year to the AFC Championship game with the elite defense that got them into the playoffs in 2019, that might be enough to make them the best team in the AFC and maybe even the best league team in the NFL, the most complete team in the NFL. I don't think you can give Kansas City the best, the most the most complete team in the NFL right now. I think that would have to go to Tampa Bay. If you want to just argue about the best team, then there's there's an argument to be made. But the Bills, if they can achieve 14th again, I got to think that's good enough. I got to think that's good enough. Last year, they were one game away. They were one injury away. If the offense keeps clicking into the Kansas City game, They could have won that game. I know Kansas City was great, and they ran away with it a little bit at the end. But the Bills were in that football game. Maybe if Sean McDermott doesn't kick the field goal at the end of the second quarter to go down nine, and instead he realizes that we need six to beat this team, and they score, maybe that's a completely different ball game. If McDermott goes for it, maybe they win that football game. Maybe they make it to the Super Bowl. Maybe. But what else? White, Wallace, what are the holes on the defensive side of the football that could allow them to improve? Go back from 14th to 2nd or 3rd. And I think a lot of people would point to Star Latulale. But that's really not where their biggest downfall came. Because as I mentioned, they went from 10th to 17th in total rush defense. They went from... 4th to 13th when it came to pass defense. Now, that's the one where I wonder if that's fluky because I don't have that to being adjusted, an adjusted stat to where you factor in game script because the Bills were up in a lot more of their games than they were the season before. They played a lot of close, low-scoring games in 2019 to make the playoffs. 2020, there were a bunch of games they were way ahead. And that can fuel garbage time stats from the opposing team. And maybe that number is a little bit fluky. But the cornerback two position might be the position that really could drive their success. If Dane Jackson is actually the goods, Thad Brown's been big on him. WROC in Rochester. All about the Dane Jackson hype train. If he can come in and be a better version of Levi Wallace, because I've always liked Levi Wallace. I have always defended Levi Wallace. I believe he is a legit number two cornerback in this league, but he is definitely flawed at the same time. His technique is sound. It's great. He's got quick hips. He understands route running from the wide, the wide receiver spot, and for his limitations physically, he does a great job, but he's got those limitations physically. And if Dane Jackson can come in and be better and be a guy with a higher ceiling than Levi Wallace's, then suddenly my secondary doesn't have a weakness that other opposing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators would have once saw. So that's one place that that could come. And the other, I think, really is just health at the linebacker position. Milano and Edmonds last year 
missing several games between the two. And who knows how healthy they ever were. Always trying to come back from injury. Edmonds and Milano. If they get through this season completely healthy, that could be another thing that drives them from middle-of-the-pack defense back to being one of the elites. 8030550 is the phone number. Would you take 14th on the defensive side of the football? Is that good enough to win a Super Bowl with the Bills? The one other spot on their defensive side of the football that I've saved for the end here, because to me it's the most important. It's not Latulale back. In fact, I would rank Latulale being back maybe like the fourth most important or the fourth most likely way that they could go back to being an elite defense. I don't think it was Latulale. He's he's a good player. He's a good player. He serves his role. To me, he's overpaid. To me, he is replaceable, but he is a good player. And he's back. And last year, they didn't really replace him all that well. This year versus last year, look at the pass rush. And can they get that dynamic pass rushing ability out of their rookies? that we saw Tampa Bay throw at Kansas City when it came to the Super Bowl. The Bills right now, with Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham, have lots of potential to be better at getting after the quarterback in 2021. But at the same time, this was not a great pass rushing draft class, and the Bills... They drafted guys that I don't they just don't strike me as the typical elite rushers. They're guys that I think will come in and be pretty good. I think the Bills really under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done a pretty poor job at identifying pass rushers and the style in which they win in the league. And it's it's amazing to me that I, I, I'm, this is I don't want this to be a criticism of Rousseau and Basham, but I think it's probably going to come out that way of the picks themselves because they've had the prototype staring them in the face for four years. Look at Jerry Hughes, who precedes McDermott and Bean. They good credit to them for keeping him around. Because they sent a lot of guys out the door. A lot of Rex and Whaley guys out the door when they got here. And they did not do that with Jerry Hughes. So they do deserve credit on that front. But they didn't trade for him. They didn't draft him. He was here. They inherited him. And have they ever tried to replicate that style of pass rusher? Because they they really haven't. Hughes is, even though he's not and has never been, one of the elite pass rushers in the sport. I mean, he's never had double-digit sacks without Mario Williams hogging up all the double teams on the other side. But look at his style. That's what wins over tackles in the league. It is speed and it is bend. That's what Jerry Hughes gives you. The ability to, to beat the tackle in a multitude of ways. The quick burst around the edge to come in behind the quarterback, the the burst, by the way, to just drive right into the tackle and push him back, not even because of your size, but because you're moving fast when you run into him. 
the spin moves that he has to his game, the repertoire of pass rush moves that are quick, the quickness. He's a quicker style of pass rusher. And the bend is really the other thing. When you get tied up in a battle with the tackle, you want to be you don't want to be stiff. Cuz then that's easy to block. If you're stiff, that is easy to block. And I feel like the Bills other than Jerry Hughes, who they inherited, have not have brought in just a bunch of stiff pass rushers. Trent Murphy was that. Again, I don't want to criticize Rousseau and Basham before they step foot on the, in the field, but they're in that mold also. They're not bendy, especially not Rousseau, who's very straight up because of his height. AJ, AJ Epinesa who they spent a second-round pick on last year. He's not bendy. He's not that speed type of rusher that Jerry Hughes is. And neither is Mario Addison. That's five big investments in the same style of pass rusher. Not one of which plays the same way as Jerry Hughes. They've spent a first-round pick in Greg Rousseau, they spent a t- two second-round picks in Carlos Bastian and A.J. Epinesa, and they spent two of their biggest free agent contracts in Trent Murphy and Mario Addison, all on guys that, to me, don't seem to present the same style that Jerry Hughes does. And I would like them to find that player, and I wish they would have found that player. The one player in the draft that they could have got that was that way was Jalen Phillips, and they never got a chance at Jalen Phillips because Miami took him at, what, 19? So that's no fault of the Bills. They never had a shot at Jalen Phillips. Maybe they would have taken him if he was sitting there for them at 30. Maybe they would have traded up if he had slid a few picks back. And now that we look back and we see what their offseason really was intended to do, it was to bring back their guys. And I was a big fan of Carl, of Carl Lawson, who went from the Bengals to the Jets. A young, dynamic pass rusher that reminds me a lot of Jerry Hughes that became a free agent. I would have loved the Bills to have found a way to get him here. Looking back, there didn't seem to be a way to do that. They didn't have the cap dollars that the Jets did to do that. But the next time, and I hope it doesn't have to happen again, I hope Rousseau just comes in and it doesn't matter that he's not bendy. Basham, same thing. Apinesa, same thing. I hope these guys just come in and they just say... yeah, we're a different style than Jerry Hughes, but we can we have a win rate against these tackles at the same level that he does. Cuz but if they don't do that, you got to keep taking swings. You got to keep taking swings cuz you saw Tampa Bay. You saw what happened when they could throw Shaq Barrett at Mahomes. They could throw Jason Pierre-Paul at Mahomes. Sue coming up the middle. Like they just had athletes on their defensive line. And they got after him, and the whole game, Mahomes was running for his life. And it was not the same Chiefs team. And I think the Bills, in theory, are trying to replicate that. I just don't know that they got specific enough when it comes to the type of guys that they brought in. But again, the next time you take a swing at that, and if these guys don't hit, if Epinesa doesn't take a step forward, then you might have to do another one as soon as next year. Probably not a first-round pick, but maybe you spend another second. Maybe you go give, maybe you spend most of your free agent capital on a guy like that. The next time it happens, 
I want to see the Bills go for that speed-type pass rusher to replace Jerry Hughes, who, by the way, is not going to be here forever. How old is he now? 32? 33 years old? He'll be 33 before the start of the season. He's hanging on, and good thing he is, because he, and this is why, even though I've, I don't know, am I am I a Jerry Hughes hater at times? I don't know what you would consider me for that. Hughes, when they drafted Basham and Rousseau, was the only one of the veterans that I thought, nope, you can't touch him. You don't take him off this team. Even though you save $7 million by letting him go, you can't let Jerry Hughes go because he is the one unique defensive end in their room. I've got four or five guys maybe right now that can give me what Mario Addison gives me. None of these other guys can give me that bend and that quickness on the edge that Jerry Hughes provides that they need to get after Mahomes and the Chiefs. So good that Latula lays back. Hopefully the linebackers stay healthy. Hopefully Dane Jackson steps up as their number two corner and looks good. But if the Bills want to go, I think, from 14th in total defense last year back to where they were in the two years prior, top three in the sport, they're going to need to hope that these rookie pass rushers show up and are ready to contribute right away. 8030550 is the phone number. Would you take 14th on defense, by the way? Would you take that? Like you vote on that poll at Sneaky Joe Sports. It's a very close one right now, by the way. 54% say yes. So maybe we have a good argument here. Take your calls when we come back at 8030550. I want to get to Rasmus Ristolainen and the potential for him being traded to the New Jersey Devils. There's some rumors about the Devils being interested in him today on social media. So we'll get to that as well when we return. Here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. I didn't watch every game just because, you know, it was a little tough, especially that last game. But, you know, I was happy because the team was doing so well. The success that they had last year was great. It was a bummer not to be a part of it. But again, I made the decision. I don't regret it. But, you know, I was happy for the guys and I. I was hoping they would have got it done, but, you know, it is what it is. So I'm back now and we'll see what happens this year. Bills defensive tackle star Latulale, who is back. He showed up for minicamp today, met with the media, got a practice in. He looks lean. He looks quick. I'm excited about his return. Hopefully this is a different version of Star Latule than what we saw in his first two years with the Buffalo Bills, which to me was a very one-dimensional player. A very good player on rundowns and a useless player on passdowns. And if he can give them more than that, then I welcome his return to the Bills. 803-0550 is the phone number. Talking a lot about the defense in the first segment, the pass rushers as well. I do want to talk some hockey, though. Maybe we'll do that here. Because, you know, it's it's going to be the end of an era, I think, very soon here about Ristolainen. And, and, you know, this is a tired subject. It's, it's amazing that it's 2021 and we are still able to stand here and talk about the Sabres and maybe trading Rasmus Ristolainen. 
I mean, is it the most talked? It might be the most talked about. It might. Is this is this right? Let me think about this. Is Ristolainen being traded the most talked about subject in WGR history? When you make it that specific, I think it's got to be. If I just said, no, who the Bills' starting quarterback is going to be. You know, you go that over 15 years, okay, that's probably it. Once you include names, I think this might be it. I think Ristolainen does it. He's been here for so long. And he's the perfect amount of polarizing in that I would say Sabre fans that don't keep track of the data and don't care what is valuable in a in a 2021 NHL defenseman love him because he's fun to watch, no doubt. Whenever they play the Boston Bruins, I'm always watching Ristolainen. He's because he's the guy that he's making Marshawn mad. He's taking runs at them. He's an exciting player to watch, but and and that can carry value. It, it, you, we could argue about how much value that carries. By the way, how much value should that carry? That fans like watching him play, because that to me shouldn't be nothing. We should care about what the fans want to see. It's not all fans, but a lot of fans like watching him. And should the Sabres value that? And I think they have. At least I think they have. But does he contribute towards the team winning? Does he give value towards the team winning? And that has always been the argument to me that is easy. The answer in his current role at least. The answer is no. He never has. He's not a good passer. He is not good at getting the puck out of his own end. He's got his head down and he chips it out every time for eight years, time in and time out. He showed up to the NHL as an 18-year-old doing it where he wouldn't look. He would be on the boards. He would feel a little bit of pressure, and he would chip it out to the other team, turning the puck over. And essentially, it doesn't go down as a turnover, but it's giving the puck to the other team. It's a punt. He's been punting it since he got here as an 18-year-old, and no one's ever developed that part of his game. Never. So here we are with a finished product of Rasmus Ristolainen, and he's still playing a role that he's not suited for. He is upgraded Bogosian for me in that he's got the skating, he's got the physicality, He's got the shot, but he just can't put it all together to be a positive impact player on the ice. But look what happened in Toronto and in Tampa with Zach Bogosian. Finally, a team that wasn't the Sabres, who had been overplaying Bogosian for years and years and years, saw Bogosian for what he was, a sixth defenseman. The guy that has the least amount of minutes on your team on a given night. A bottom pair guy. And what happened? Bogosian was pretty good. He was fine for both teams. He had a couple bad moments against Montreal in the Toronto series. But on the overall, he's a he's a fine bottom pair defenseman. Got no problem with Zach Bogosian on either Tampa or Toronto because of the role he was playing. 
that the Sabres thought he was more than. And they were wrong. And guess what? They're wrong about Ristolainen. They always have been. They've always been wrong about it. He has been played as a top pair defenseman for almost his entire career, really going back to his second season. And it is criminal that they have never even attempted to place him in a more protected role that he is suited for instead of the 25-minute seasons, 25-minute-in-a-night seasons that he's been playing in for his entire career. What does he look like playing 18 to 19 minutes a night? Not playing against the other team's top line. Playing with a good defense partner whose qualities can help out his weaknesses. I, it's, it's not a coincidence, by the way, that if you look at Ristolainen's career, the defense partner that he played the best with was Lawrence Pilot. Why? Because all the things Ristolainen couldn't do, Pilot could. Pilot was only good at a couple of things, but it was passing and getting the puck out of his own end. The two things that have just buried Ristolainen in his NHL career. A complimentary piece, fewer minutes, and in easier matchups. A protected role. And Ristolainen, I think, is a good defenseman in this sport. But the Sabres, just like with Sam Reinhart, lack any foresight to get the most out of these players. To know what they're best suited to do. To even experiment with different combinations and different positions and different roles. There's been none, no experimentation with the Sabres. Because guess what? If there was, you might have figured out three years ago that Sam Reinhart can be a second-line center in the sport, which is more valuable than the winger that they turned him into. They might have realized that before a year and a half went by of Jeff Skinner not producing that, oh, Skinner is reliant on star centers, on a good center. We need to get him with Eichel. Hmm, Reinhardt's not. They never tried it. They never tried it. Same with the Reinhardt thing. And with Ristolainen, they never tried it. Never. No coach. Kruger started to, but he didn't go all the way. He brought him down from the 25-minute-a-night defenseman that Housley and Bilesma had Ristolainen being to about 22. So he at least shaved it off a couple of minutes, but he didn't take it far enough. And guess what? He's going to go to another team? Well, maybe not. I was going to say, Ristolainen will maybe go to another team and play in a more protected role, and he's going to look great, and all the fans out there that were saying, see, look how good Ristolainen is, are going to start doing victory laps. When... In reality, all Ristolainen will be doing is proving that he's not the top pair defenseman that the Sabres have been treating him as for a decade. But here's why that maybe won't happen. The report today, the rumors today, Lance Lysowski, the Buffalo News, has this. Chad DiDominicis from Expected Buffalo has this. Two of the best follows on Sabre Twitter. They both have that. The Devils are interested in Ristolainen, and they have been for years. They have been for a while. But the, the Devils are interested. And here's why 
I brought it up now, even though it is the most tired subject on this station. Going back five years, maybe. Is it's going to happen. Or at least, it has to happen. There's an end date coming. July 1st, 2022. That's it. Ristolainen is not a Sabre past that day. Barring some extreme, extreme, unlikely outcome in which Ristolainen changes his mind after years of wanting out and implying that he wants out into, oh yeah, I'll sign an extension with you. I mean, the chances of that happening have to be, are, are they are they 1%? Are they fewer than 1%? Is there any outcome in which he actually signs an extension here? That is not even, you might love Ristolainen, and you might hate what I'm saying right now, but you've got to acknowledge that it's the end is coming. I don't care if you like him as a player or not. It's over in one year. And if it's over in one year and the player carries value in the league, you've got to move on it. And you've got to do it before this expansion draft. Because Will Borgen, who just finally showed up, and is, by the way, a big physical defenseman. So if you want to keep a guy like that in the organization, here's your man. He finally shows up, Borgen does, after years of development. And he looks pretty darn good in his limited action with the Sabres last season. And he is a guy that is cost-controlled and that you can keep around for years and years and years. And it does not cost you $5.4 million a year. You can... That is value. That is value. As opposed to 82 more games of Ristolainen, 50 more games leading into the trade deadline when you you will inevitably move him anyway. It's gotta be Borgen over Ristolainen. And if you're not read up on what the expansion draft rules are. They're the same as they were with Vegas. You can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or you can protect eight skaters and a goalie. I don't see the Sabres doing the skating option. Very few teams do the skater option. It's probably going to be the seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. And if it's three defensemen, Dali and Yokiharu are written in stone. So you've got one spot left, and it goes to either Risto or it goes to Will Borgen. And that's an easy call. There's no debate. There's no argument to be made that it should be Ristolainen. None. I don't care if you love him as a player. Don't care at all. That's not the argument. The argument is, he's an expiring asset. Borgen is not. Which one you want to lose for nothing? Because if you expose Borgen, you're probably going to lose both for nothing. You expose Ristolainen, you're going to lose Ristolainen for nothing. You trade him, you trade Ristolainen, you don't lose either one for nothing. How, how are we not talking about this more? That it's finally going to happen. In the next month and a half, he's going to be traded. How could he not be? It would blow my mind if he's still on this roster the day of the expansion draft. It would be insane if that happens. Insane if that happens. And here come the Devils, who might have interest. At least it's reported. It's rumored that the Devils have interest. And they are a team that, like the Sabres, is pretty bad. 
And they are a team, and this is why I think I would be optimistic about what you could get in a return for Ristolainen from New Jersey. They're not a team with these high-level defensemen. They're not bringing Ristolainen in, I think, to serve the role that he should play on a second pair, protected minutes, protected teammate. I don't think they're bringing him in for that. Because where does he go in their lineup? If he if he's on the Devils opening night, where do you slot him? Because their other guys are P.K. Subban, who is a shell of himself after having hip surgery a couple years ago, has never returned to form. Ryan Murray, left shot defenseman anyway, and, I mean, he's okay at this point in his career, but not that good. Damon Severson, Will Butcher, Connor Carrick. I got news for you. Ristolainen's a top-pair defenseman on the New Jersey Devils. Just by default. And what do the Devils pay for that if that's what they view him as? Because that's their fix, right? If they're trading for Ristolainen, are they are they making another big swing on a defenseman? They're not going for Dougie Hamilton if they do that, who's also a right-shot defenseman. That's their big move. And that's that's got me excited. Because a team that values him like that, that could be... Ooh, man. What do I got to start looking at? I don't think you could get their first-round pick. It's too high. Isn't it like fifth or sixth? Let me look real quick. He, uh, The Devil's pick is fourth. You're not getting the fourth pick. <laughs> You're definitely not getting the fourth pick. But go grab their top prospect. Go grab a future first, maybe a second in their second best prospect. I don't know. There's a lot of different packages I think you could bring in from New Jersey that would be really enticing. Jesper Bratt, who's been a very undervalued player in the league since he entered, 20, still 22 years old, got a cheap contract at $2.75 million. That plus a pick somewhere in the in the second round range. The Ristolainen trade is going to happen, whether you like it or not. And if the Devils want him, come get him, please. End it. End this topic for good. So the nightcap with Joe DiBiase, last call, and we'll take some calls when we come back at 803-0550 here on WGR. Anaheim at three. That's one team. You know I feel they're going to do something big. Columbus has three picks, and their highest is fifth. Columbus is going into draft and develop mode, right? So I don't know how high we're talking here, but it makes a lot of sense. Doesn't that depend on what they get for Seth Jones? Yeah, it could. I'm just trying to think if Buffalo's going to get another high pick. Anaheim, Columbus, both make some sense. You know, the other one, too, is L.A. They pick eight. And I know John Hoven, the mayor, he's really plugged in there, and he said that L.A. is not in on Eichel. Maybe they like Reinhardt more than Eichel. I wouldn't be surprised if L.A. likes Seth Jones, too. But I know some teams are saying if someone's moving up into the top ten, L.A.'s pick is the one a lot of teams are talking about. Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts podcast. He was told by someone in the league not to be... I mean, a lot of hedging here going on, but don't be surprised if the Sabres end up with another high first-round pick. Probably not. You know, there's a lot of different trades. I love playing the the trade idea game, and this has got to be the best offseason for that ever. I know we're trading the top players, so that doesn't make it too fun. But 
Would you trade Reinhardt for Seattle's second overall pick straight up? That might be a good trade. That might be a good trade. Reinhardt wants to go out west. The Kraken could use a guy that can come in right away and be a star-level player that there's a good chance they won't get their hands on. Um, The Sabres get... I mean, they get the second overall pick. You get Matthew Beneers or you get Luke Hughes. You get... You get a prospect that, to me, matches the talent that Reinhardt has. You you should get a similar level of player out of Matthew Beniers. Now, the reason that Seattle does it is there's a chance Matthew Beniers doesn't become as good as Sam Reinhardt, and that's why you don't do it. Um, Anaheim sitting there at three. I don't know if they mentioned Seattle. I think I missed that. They did mention Anaheim. They mentioned Columbus. New Jersey, I mentioned earlier with Ristolainen and Ristolainen in uh, fourth overall, but I don't think you're getting fourth. Um, yeah, there's a good chance the Sabres are picking twice inside the top five. Wish it was a better draft class for that, but then maybe you wouldn't be getting those picks. Uh, but anyways, voices are getting a little bit shot here, uh, so it's a perfect time for the show to come to an end, as it normally does here at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening throughout the show tonight, and I hope to talk to you tomorrow. U.S. Open talk with Brian Koziel, who will join Chopin the Bulldog at 6. And I want to talk some U.S. Open tomorrow as it gets going on Thursday. There was some an interesting news item on Kepka and DeChambeau that we'll talk about. Um, so, come back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening. NASCAR fans, stay tuned. NASCAR Live is on the way next here on WGR. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.